Hey, you all. Welcome to Active and Connected Families. Today, we are going to be talking about setting boundaries for ourselves. And this is pretty important, I think, today because I am going into surgery in about literally like 20 minutes. I'm leaving the house. But, you know, I had to get a little intro in. So I'm also starting this series around doing something new. And I guess surgery is doing something new in my 40s. So I'm kind of going through all of this and I am going to be releasing an episode that I recorded with Meg about a month and a half ago. And Meg is truly an expert on learning how to set boundaries. She struggled with a chronic illness for probably the last five to 10 years and really woke up and figured out what are her priorities in life. And in order to honor her priorities and what was ultimately the most important to her, she learned how to say no. And I have known Meg for so long, literally since we were 11 in PE class. And she's a people pleaser, like so many of us are. And for her to learn how to protect her true values and who she really wanted to be and how to live her life is really inspirational. And I think, you know, recovering from surgery, recovering from a chronic illness, it doesn't matter. We can all learn how to set healthy boundaries in order to be the people that we want to be. Meg is also launching a really exciting new service called Home Coach, which is home healing and design therapy. Essentially, Meg is going to help you make the home of your dreams in the space you're living right now. And she does such a nice job of connecting with where you truly are and what you need in your home to help you find peace and a place where you really love. So you can find out more about Meg and Home Coach at www.megallencole.com. Again, that's megallencole.com. And I hope you all enjoy this conversation between Meg and I. She's truly the best. And I'm so thankful we got to do this. Have a great day, y'all. And think about me while I'm in surgery. and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, Meg. Hey, Amanda. I am so glad you're here and I am so thankful that you are going to be talking to us about going from people pleasing to setting healthy boundaries. It's like one of my favorite topics because it's a tool that can literally change our lives. 
boys, their mental health is so important and boundaries for boys and girls are so, so, so crucial. I see that there's like a really, really embedded history of women as people pleasers. So sometimes it's really kind of interesting to look at that and even speak to our mother's generation about how much sort of the structure of our society and the patriarchy in general, it's sort of like forced and pushed females to be codependent. Like literally that's what we had to do. Women couldn't even be on a lease up until the 70s. So societally, we sort of structure things in a way that kind of puts us in this corner. So I think a lot of adult women are kind of finding themselves in a place saying, how do I now break out of that and get into this? And then that way we can lead by example and our children can live such a more balanced, healthy life because they follow us, right? Like they see what we're doing. And if we can set those boundaries to care for ourselves, that really teaches them how to do that as well, right? You are so right. And I am, you know, deep in the Instagram culture around mental health memes. Like I am like getting all the therapist stuff. I love it. My Instagram feed. Oh my gosh. But really there is such a struggle, I think for women specifically in their forties. I'm 42. You're probably 43, right? Mm-hmm. And right with you. it is something that we are struggling with now is realizing now that we haven't been setting boundaries for most of our lives. And we've been people pleasing for most of our lives. And it's time to start shifting that. Absolutely. On Instagram, I keep seeing this sort of meme that's like, I am now entering the villain era of my life as I go from a people pleaser to setting healthy boundaries. And it's not at all that we are villains, but it it kind of just touches upon some of the anxiety that we feel. You mentioned this in the podcast last week about in eating the cupcakes and then feeling the anxiety and how do we push back on that. So I think, of course, when we do set some new boundaries, if we've lived four decades being people pleasers, being placaters, and I want to make it very clear that there is no judgment on being a people pleaser or placator. It served us well. There are a lot of family structures, societal structures where being a placator is a really smart way to survive. It's a really intelligent way to get by. And then we get to a point like now where we're like, you know what? This does not serve me any longer. This no longer serves my family. I can see how this pattern is sort of hurting me and I want to change that. So I feel like it is important to sort of first acknowledge that sort of generational uh, journey that we've taken because that acknowledges just how ingrained and unconscious being a people pleaser is. It's in ourselves. It's in our body. So I think that shows us it's a larger pattern to break than we might have thought otherwise. And in order to break a pattern that's really subconscious, we need a tool. And you in the therapist space might sort of call it CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And um, I like to call it just sort of, you know, putting a pause between action and reaction or mindfulness, intentional living, whatever we want to call it. That is a tool that we can use to sort of get out of the unconscious. So we're in a conversation, we're just vibing. And we feel the urge to just people please. And if we can just slow down a little, the more we slow down and get in practice of just taking a little pause, we can maybe implement an answer and actions that align with our values instead of just sort of going along with the flow and not really thinking about, oh, I'm saying yes to too many things. Let's just take a pause. I hear you. Can I get back to you on that? Sometimes we have to just literally practice the pause. So I want to slow down to one thing that you said that I think is really important. And I think 
as a 42-year-old, I really thought that this people-pleasing was my own thing, right? Like my high-achieving people-pleasing, this was my own personal makeup based on what was handed to me when I was a kid. And it did work for me. I have been pretty successful and, and pretty healthy as a people pleaser, right? Like it, I, I feel happy with where I am now and I'm proud of who I am. Absolutely. And I've avoided a lot of conflict by being a people pleaser, right? Well, let's be honest, conflict is stressful and that's not always a weak thing to avoid conflict. Sometimes it's also just yes. trying to choose to not have stress be put on your body. So there's something to be said about that, Amanda, for sure. Oh, absolutely. But I think that as I've gotten older, I've realized it isn't just me and my own set of my own baggage. It really is a generational experience that so many women are having right now. And I think now we have the space to kind of put some of these boundaries in. We've been given permission to start even putting the memes out because we didn't have permission to put those memes out before. And now we can. Absolutely. Well, and generationally, it's really cool to see how this can change, even like with our mother's generation. My mom and I have worked together at times with a, a conversation and a dialogue together where we talk about the pressures that were put on her and how different mm -hmm. or not different that might be with our generation. And one tool that's so helpful that I've like passed out to everyone I know is the book Codependent No More by Melody Beatty. It kind of speaks to what we're saying of when you come out of a crisis, like the collective crisis that our country, our, our world has gone through with the pandemic, or mm -hmm. a personal crisis, like coming out of um, addiction, moving into recovery, coming out of uh, deep health crisis, moving into more of an active life, that is like an opportunity to create a new pattern. And so my husband, um, we are actually almost 10 years in recovery of my husband being sober. And one of the beautiful things of coming out of that crisis was this book, Codependent No More. It's often mm -hmm. referred to as something that's very helpful with addiction specifically. But it is also something I've given to several of my girlfriends that some, several of my girlfriends have quoted to me. As we're learning that it's not just an individual thing, I thought that too, Amanda. We're learning oh. this is a really big collective situation and conversation that as women, we're now in the sort of post-Trump era. I feel like we are kind of a little bit more allowed to be like, you know what? This patriarchy has been harmful to us. And how can we actively fight back? How can we actively resist that? And I mm -hmm. would say since the patriarchy wants women to be small and complacent, resisting that and be, and resisting the urge to placate, setting healthy boundaries in action that align with what works for you is number one, a sign of resistance towards the patriarchy, which is always fantastic. And number <laughs> two, it's something that you're doing with love. And that is something that can be helpful because when we're saying, okay, so say we have a whole multiple generations who are feeling this. Why aren't we changing it? Like, where is the resistance? I think a lot of us need the permission. And then we kind of, what will the response be though? Like, and, and, and having anxiety and concern about that response. You mentioned this in last week's podcast. How do we sit with that anxiety? How do we deal with that as we're making these changes? Is there anything that works for you? Well, I'm even thinking, you know what really does work for me? is I think about Hillary Clinton, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I think about when Hillary Clinton was running for office, she put herself out there and she got so much negative feedback. But the only way we can make change is to be able to hold that negative feedback, right? Yes. To me, I've realized that 
in order to be a leader, in order to resist, my challenge, the number one thing to do is to hold the feedback and not respond to it. Mm-hmm. We don't have to respond to other people who are saying we're too strong or we are too ambitious or we're bitchy or we shouldn't be wearing that outfit, right? Absolutely. We can be still and that is the challenge, right? It's being yes. still despite the pushback that we're getting. Absolutely. Like just being able to know that what I'm doing is in alignment with what I want. So whatever the response, it's about that person. It's mm-hmm. not about me. And mm-hmm. frankly, it's not even really my business because my business is trying to create a life that fills my needs so I can be the best me that I can be. And boundaries are so helpful in relationships too. And I feel that something that helps with that anxiety for me is sort of sitting and saying, okay, why the boundary? Like, what is the reason why? Where is that coming from? And boundaries, especially in relationships, come from a place of love. So say there's a a family member who um, is known to say hurtful things around a subject, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't care about them, then I just let that go and I allow distance to happen and that's fine. Or if they do it, I don't worry if I snap at them. But if I really do value them and I I love them and I love that relationship and I care about them, placing a healthy boundary there can actually be really positive because it's literally protecting the other person from their own sort of pitfalls and it can create a more healthy, positive dynamic in the relationship. So Mm -hmm. that can be helpful for that anxiety when we're sort of trying to sit still and know we are doing what's right for us and just kind of sinking into the This comes from a place of love for myself and for my family and for those around me. That can sometimes help, at least for us former placaters and people pleasers, Mm -hmm. to just justify it a little bit and help us kind of with that sort of changing of the pattern. I mean, I say yes to everything. I'm one of those people. And generally, honestly, I like to say yes to everything. I like being busy. Like I kind of thrive in that. And I find a lot of things fun. There's not much that I like don't find fun. So it's kind of easy for me to say yes and have a good time. Right. I love you. And oh, but like, you know, it's true. It's true. You know, I love that. And there are times where my first reaction is yes. And then not three seconds later, I'm like, why did I say yes to that? I feel overwhelmed by that. How can I get out of this? So let's, let's even slow it down. How do you, if say someone says, you know, can you be on the swim team committee? By the way, I am on the swim team committee and I love being on the swim team committee. Yes. Then someone says to you, can you be on the swim team committee and come to this meeting tonight? And you know that you have, you know, seven other things that really need your attention. Let me just check where I am and I'm going to get back to you. I can send you a text in about 15 minutes. Let me just check what is on my plate today. Often I just acknowledge that like I'm not going to handle the question well. I will most likely just go right to the yes. So I found if I say, can I get back to you on that? It just gives me a little bit of time and grace to kind of get myself together and be like, do I really want to do this? Sometimes, honestly, like the urgency or the excitement of just connecting mm-hmm. with people, I can kind of get out of my own body a little bit and I'm just sort of in the vibe with the person. So then sometimes I forget my own needs. So kind of going back to that pause, someone asking you say, thank you so much for asking. Can I get back to you in about 15 minutes or can I let you know tomorrow how that works for me? It can buy you a little time to even sort of think about it and connect with your priorities. And going back to sort of why we want to break this pattern. I think since we have this sort of collective crisis, there's an opportunity here. So saying Mm -hmm. like, if you're coming straight out of a health crisis, it's very easy to see what your priorities are. Coming Mm -hmm. out of this pandemic with our families, we 
If we were able to receive the gift of surviving a crisis, often a silver lining of that crisis is it does make your priorities a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. So we can know that, but then as you're saying, sometimes the practice of it is really tough. And I do think sometimes, even if we're shaking and sweating or our voice is shaking, it's sometimes even too hard to say, you know what? I can't make it to be the swim team captain this week. I can't be on the committee. Sometimes we just need to buy ourselves a little time and just say, can I get back to you on that? So it sounds to me like simple strategy one is instead of saying yes, just say, can I get back to you on that? Right? I think that line is going to give people so much freedom to be able to think and reflect about what their priorities are and does this yes align with their priorities or not. But right. we need the second to think about it, right? We do. And since we, we mentioned that it's so deeply subconsciously ingrained in our bodies, that second, that pause will allow us to kind of just check in and not go with just the automated, you know, the automatic thing of the yes, yes, yes. It's like, let's just pause. Give us that time. Let me let me think and see. We can still say yes if that aligns, but sometimes the yes or no, you can just see, how does that yes fit in my body? If I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, that is my body. Thank you, anxiety, telling me that's too much and I actually need to say no. And mm-hmm. that's okay. We also don't need to give excuses. This is another thing that I think a lot of us feel we need to kind of explain ourselves. And it's okay to, to just simply write back and say, you know what? I can't fit being on the swim committee this week. Thank you so much for asking. We actually don't have to give a reason. Sometimes if it just doesn't even feel right in our body, that's just our body's way of being like, there's too much on the plate this week. Let's pause and let's just say no thank you. Do you have thoughts on this um, kind of saying I'm sorry that people do all the time, that women do all the time, honestly? Can can you talk about that? Because I think that's such a reflective sign of this. Like, we're sorry we're not taking care of everyone's needs, right? I'm yes. so sorry I bumped into you. I'm sorry that, like, you're feeling this way. I'm sorry all of I'm these I'm sorry things. you bumped into me. Like, it's it, yes. it's absurd what we as women. And it, it comes from the beautiful place of, like, wanting to love and nurture, and that is lovely. But it also comes from the really dark place of the patriarchy telling us to be small, to be people pleasers, to Mm -hmm. maternalizing us. Like, okay, yes, our road to motherhood, beautiful, powerful, but like not every woman needs to be maternalized at every single time and every juncture. So I agree. It is important to not just fill people's needs so quickly. And sometimes when we slow it down, we have to say, okay, if this is the priority, what needs to be true in order for me to set a boundary here? Sometimes we have to do a little restructuring, whether it's having a family conversation or just doing some journaling ourselves and just seeing, okay, like what is the resistance in me? Sometimes it it literally might be something we're working with even with our therapist of, oh, in my family, this is how that felt. So having a more kind of cognitive, intentional space as an adult saying, thank you, that served me then, but now this is my family and I get to kind of change and set the tone for it. Mm-hmm. And show my kids that we don't have to be yesers to everything. It is important to be able to fill our own needs with some time by saying no. And I even hear this and I think the only way I am ever going to be able to set healthy boundaries around my priorities and my values is if I sit and honestly meditate or reflect for five minutes every day. Because... I really can function pretty well. Just like get up, go, like make everyone happy. Like I'm really good at that. Like it's not that hard. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah, like it doesn't feel that hard. And then I find myself doing things that don't feel great or I'm le- or I'm going places that I don't want to be. But in order to even notice that that is an issue, I think that I have to spend five minutes just centering myself and really checking in with my feelings and my intuition and what feels right to me. Yes, that's so profound, like truly. And I think a lot of times our resistance to meditation is, oh, I need to sit and have some perfect experience. Oftentimes I have monkey brain the whole time. Oftentimes, you know, it doesn't, it's Mm -hmm. not going to be a perfect meditation, but um, our friend Michaela said, it's, it's who you become by taking that time for yourself. Oh, I love that. It's not even sitting and having some perfect meditation. It's like, who do I need to become to allow myself those five minutes? That can also be applied to boundaries. It's like, this boundary is not going to magically fix everything, but who am I? Who do I become when I set boundaries for myself? And you're so right being able to create that space. Five minutes of quiet listening to your intuition can provide so, so much wisdom that might be very opposite of what our subconscious autopilot would have us do. And you're right. Sometimes like there is a place for the autopilot. There are times where we're in crisis mode, we're in survival, our kids are sick, there's a lot going on and we need that. But it's also just like such a a healthier, more intentional life when we can just slow down and say, okay, where can I set a boundary and say no and put up something to protect us? And here's where I see it the most, Meg, you're just going to literally get some deep thoughts from me, y'all. Is I see this the most in myself um, in, in running my business, right? And I, as a woman in leadership, I do carry some imposter syndrome. So I am a psychologist. I'm running a business. I love running a business. I think I'm good at it. I'm proud of myself in this business. And I think because I'm like, I was trained as a psychologist and not a business person. I don't always know what the right move is. And so I look to other people, but sometimes I just need to check in with myself because I'm actually doing a pretty okay job. I can learn from people, but I don't always need to go where they're taking me. I can go where I'm taking us to. Absolutely. And I, you know, also with the Instagram sort of memes, sort of the, you know, mediocre white man has more confidence than the most, you know, skilled, intelligent woman, you know, is is a, a funny little saying, but it's also true. There are moments where sometimes when I experience that sort of imposter syndrome and I'll, you know, look to like a male colleague or friend and be mm-hmm. like, he, you know, like his confidence just kind of like allows him to sort of do that. And maybe that's an certainly an overarching generalization, but I think it's also a great reminder to us as women when we experience that very familiar imposter syndrome instead of looking out, how can we look more in? Absolutely. Like how can we turn more inward and find the wisdom from ourselves and not just the next person over there? You're right. Like it it does live within us. And I think that wisdom only is enhanced by those quiet moments, you know, sitting with ourselves in meditation. I don't think that I can do it. And by the way, y'all, I don't meditate just so everyone knows, don't do that. I should, but, but I don't, know if I would have been able to make all these connections if I hadn't had this conversation with you, which is so to me, I do a lot of learning in conversation with my friends and a ton of podcast listening. But I think when I do slow down, when I get myself out of the cycle of saying yes, that's when I have the time to check in with what I really think and what I really feel. Yes. 
I'm not just going along with it all. And it's like, it's true. There's such value in, in here, like within mm-hmm. the wisdom of women and each of us, you know, um, the, your male parents listening as well, like in all of us. And there's so much noise out there. It's, you're so right. And it's, it's important, especially I think when you have young kids and there's probably a lot of loud noise in the house and at work, it's so important to just find those little moments of sort of quiet to try to turn in and say, but what aligns with what what I want and I I know, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's really helpful. Well, I want to know like how do we do it? Because I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is like I know I need to set healthy boundaries and we can come across overly assertive in that moment. Like honestly, sometimes when the when you start setting those boundaries, you're going to make mistakes in of how course. you do it. And we have to be thoughtful about that. So yes. what do you think? What are your thoughts? I think anytime we try something new, like it, you know, we have to offer ourselves grace, right? There's going to be, it's going to be clunky. It's going to be challenging. You know, it might be hard. Number one, I think it's important to just know the people who love you and support you are going to love and support you no matter what, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. you can say things to them. And, and, and then of course there's another group of people who may or may not judge that. But I think it also comes down to who do we want to live our lives for? Um, when I was first starting to do this, I would just kind of own my noviceness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say, this is kind of new for me. So forgive me. My voice is shaking a little bit, but I just want to speak my truth to you, even if this sounds a little strange. And I remember even having a conversation several, several years ago. And it, I, I don't think I was doing a good job. And I, I was like, you know, please forgive me. I'm having a lot of anxiety right now because this is really new. So I think I probably sound really kind of cold. I'm just doing my best to try to figure mm-hmm. this out. I think it's okay to be vulnerable like that and be honest and say, I'm, I'm really just trying to, to honor myself. And I think the people that love and support you will accept the clunkiness of it and will hear the intention and give you some grace. And there was definitely like, I don't even know, years and years ago, uh, a peripheral person in my life who, you know, there are people who are used to you being the placator and that makes Mm -hmm. them feel good. And it sort Mm -hmm. of can enable some toxic dynamics. And there definitely has been a person in in my sort of circle that when I put those boundaries, they were like, uh, no, this only works with you people pleasing me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, subconsciously, that was sort of what they were saying. And it really did change the relationship. And I think it was a really positive thing because- I, as I learn and evolve, if I, I don't need to set myself on fire to keep other people warm. And so if somebody needs you to be perfectly explaining things or that you can't accidentally speak out of turn or, um, you know, just ask them for some grace, you know, and maybe that is an indication that that person needs a little bit of a boundary because honestly, that's indication oh, that right. maybe there is a little bit of a lack of trust there and a little bit of a lack of unconditional love. And so perhaps that just our early conversations about boundaries might teach us who needs boundaries in our life and who doesn't. I mean, I find that so interesting. I think you're right. I have two thoughts on this. Number one, I think we can also proactively invite people that are close to us into this path with us, right? So you can warn people you're going to set a boundary in the moment, like you just described, like, hey, I'm about to set a boundary. It's hard for me. And you can also say to your partner, one of the things I'm working on is setting boundaries. You might see me do it over the next four months and I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, you know, if it's awkward, here's why, but here's why I'm doing it. And, Love that. and so they can, you, you know, they are set up to see that in you and you, they can validate the fact that you're trying before you even start. 
And then and you're getting support that you need. Like that's absolutely. also a wonderful way to get support and to have your partner sort of hold you accountable on this sort of new positive path. I think that's a really absolutely. great idea. Absolutely. And you know, I love my husband so much. I love Robert so much because so many times when I start with something like that, he'll he'll say to me, "You are the person who's putting this expectation on yourself." And I think so helpful. You know, I don't think it's him. I don't think he's putting an expectation on me. I do think a pa- the patriarchy yes, and the way our society is built is putting this expectation on me. It's not as easy as he thinks it is to just yeah. let it go. Totally. And I think when I say it out loud, it further invites him into this process for me. And then we're doing it together. I love that. And then you're also getting more practice at home because he is, as your partner, instead of just sort of, you know, doing something else, he's paying attention and sort of mirroring back and witnessing that. So then you're getting safe practice at home, which is going to make you more confident and able to do that in tougher spots, like at work and professionally, you know? I think that's such a great point, Amanda. And I love that, especially if for those of us who are are lucky enough to still have our mother and to have a mother who is sort of open to that. My mom and I have some of the most incredible, interesting conversations. Um, Like we had a peripheral sort of family member Mm -hmm. that we is so on the outside, we don't even need to communicate with them. And they were in this pattern of sending like abusive emails and then they'd be nice. And bless my mom's heart. She just wanted everything to be in a positive thing. And I remember saying, mom, you know, I, I love you so much and I really respect you and I respect where this is coming from. And we don't have to continue receiving these types of emails. And it's such a simple concept, but it was like, oh my gosh, we both had this moment of like, it's so simple. And yet there's so many decades of sort of ingraining into our mother's generation that it's their job to uh, navigate and to um, sort of be be the therapist and moderate relationships. And mm-hmm. you know, our mothers used to have to sort of moderate the relationships between father and child. So my mom is so in that habit because it was something that was like pushed on her. And I just find it so impressive um, that she can sort of acknowledge that and be like, I want to be free of that as well. And that as mother and daughter from two different generations, we can sort of work on that together and invite each other in to having that sort of healthier balance. And you know what I love about this, Meg, is that I think there is a piece right now in some relationships, people our age or a little younger than us are setting some boundaries and they they're they don't understand why their parents are having a hard time with it, right? So I feel mad. This is not a boundary, but an example, an easy one. I feel mad that you, you know, didn't invite me to that dinner with that family or whatever yeah. it is. And the parents will say something like, well, that's not what happened. How could you be mad about that? I Like, I don't understand why that hurt you. And parents aren't always receiving those feelings and receiving those boundaries. And those parents are doing the best that they can because believe me, my mom was hustling in order. They like our, our mothers were breaking so many glass ceilings so that we have the opportunity to talk about boundaries they they couldn't even think about some of those boundaries and some of that stuff because they were working so hard to give us these opportunities. Absolutely. Our moms also um, got divorced in an era where my mom knew no one who was a single mother. She knew mm-hmm. no other divorced woman. And I am just so impressed with our both of, both of my parents and your mother. And my parents were 33 when they went through their divorce. And I'm like, they were, they were mere babies wow, themselves. They were. And I mean, our moms 
to be blazing that trail in the 80s when they knew no one else doing that. They didn't have the privilege or luxury of the time to be able to sit and 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 delve into this, you know. Um, so I think it is a it is a gift to be able to then return the favor to our moms and how much they provided for us to be like, oh my gosh, you know what's so exciting about the new generation? Not even my generation. I'm too old for this, but the new generation with this body positivity, and I'm bringing that to my mom because her generation and my generation we had such self loathing. So we can even put a boundary there. That's what's exciting. When we get in the habit of healthy boundaries, we can go from putting them on the exterior outside of our life. And then we can even begin to bring them internally with our own selves and say, you know what? I'm going to have a boundary for my own self. I don't need to take that on emotionally. I don't need to take on that drama. I don't need to take on that coworker's personal problem. And I can still be connected to them and 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 love them and you know be engaged with my relationships but I can even internally have a conversation where I put a boundary on myself so that I can sort of save some of my own energy and it's just awesome to be able to bring this to our moms and 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 learn from them and them learn from us it just becomes a whole next kind of level of a relationship it is an exciting time because people are ready to make changes right there've been so many changes that have happened big picture. And now so many interpersonal changes are happening. And that's why mental health is booming right now, essentially, because everyone wants to learn how to do this differently in so many ways. And we need support to learn how to do this differently. This is not easy work. And I'm not saying this to, by the way, to like sell therapy to anyone. I'm saying, listen to how much I just learned about myself from having Meg, my friend, on this podcast with me because it is such hard, vulnerable work and we have to learn. We have to learn how to do it because we haven't been taught. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is. I love what you were saying earlier about the, it is important to just acknowledge it. It's not going to be perfect right away. We need to, we need to start practicing it and, you know, collectively coming out of the pandemic or in, you know, individually coming out of a family crisis. It's not about being a Pollyanna and having toxic positivity. It's having authentic appreciation for the goodness. So here's what I'm saying. I just came out of a pretty huge, very big health crisis. And my gift of surviving that is the clarity of what I need to move forward with my life to meet my own needs. It's much more clear to me what I'm going to need in my life to be able to to support myself moving forward. And I do invite your listeners to look at the pandemic that way or look at certain things that way. Again, we're not at all discussing toxic positivity. We acknowledge the hardship. We acknowledge the darkness. And in the darkness or as we emerge from the darkness, how can we find the light? If we survived a crisis, perhaps the light, perhaps the silver lining is that our needs and what we want there's more clarity around that and we get to live a more intentional life. And that means we're learning from the hard times and that means there's value in it. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel a bit better. I didn't just waste the last seven years of my life being incredibly ill, trying to get better. And I've been learning so much. I now get the luxury of crafting the exact life that I want. And yeah, I'll be clunky doing it in the beginning, but I'm excited to be able to do that. Meg, you are so hopeful. It is so beautiful. It makes me want to honestly go take my five minutes, right? Like you're the way you're saying it is, I know how important that five minutes to check in with myself and align with my values and my priorities. That is really important. There's so much hope and light in me doing that. Absolutely. And I am someone who 
the last several years were so hard and went without answers for so long, I actually came to a point where I ran out of hope. And I had to lean on my my husband and my mom for hope. I absolutely acknowledge there are times where that runs out. There are times where we're in hardship for so long. Mm-hmm. We, we run out of that. So I totally acknowledge that and see that. And I think because I've come from such a hard, hard situation, as so many of your listeners are coming from, from this pandemic, um, anything that we can learn and garner from that does make it more valuable. And that can help bring a little bit of that hope back when we feel like we might've lost it. Because life is really hard. It's really, really hard, right? We got to find the gold. Even if 23 hours out of the day are really tough, we got to find some gold in that 24th one, you know? Yes. Yes. Okay, Meg. I feel... I literally feel like I meditated and I didn't. I chatted, which I guess is my meditation always. But this is like a therapeutic conversation. I'm loving it so much. Oh, I love it too. But tell me, how can people find you? Because just so everyone knows, Meg is an old friend. I'm going to explain this. But I I asked her to be on this podcast because she's such a dynamic speaker and so thoughtful and smart. And you are doing things that other people can find you. I want more people to find you. So tell us how. Oh, thank you, Amanda. Um, you can find me at megallencole.com, A-L-L-A-N. I also have a yeah. YouTube channel um, and I help people make their house the dream home that they want um, through my new business, um, Home Coach. I just like to kind of meet our home with our own personal needs and literally take what we're talking about of like living a more intentional life, um, but that also brings some design in and some functionality in with our home. So you can certainly find me at MegAllenCole.com, MegAllenCole on YouTube. And um, I- Because it's inspirational on Insta. I'm becoming a better person from Meg's Insta. So what is it? Oh, same, same thing. Meg Allen Cole across the board. You can find me anywhere just from that name. So my husband and I have to be linked forever because it's a really good last name. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This was so honestly helpful. I will talk to you soon and I love you. I love you. Thank you for such a wonderful conversation. I loved it. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and share the Active and Connected Families podcast if you found this helpful. And if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again. 